0: So, okay, if humans can see water, but not air, can fish see air, but not water, and if so, what color is the air?
1: Hmm. Hello, everybody, and welcome to our podcast, Phantoms and Family, with your hosts, Mandy, the mom,
0: and Landon, the awesome son.
1: One thing that bonds Landon and I together is our shared love for Halloween, hauntings, cryptids general spooky stuff and everything outside of normal. we decided we would get together and tell scary stories about every state in the country
0: and well if we get bored of the country there's no limit we can go wherever we want
1: Ooh, i like it one day we'll start telling hauntings on mars <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we are going to start with our very own state of Ohio. So we're going to have lots of episodes this season about ghosts and ghouls and everything outside of normal in the corn state of Ohio. So sit back, relax, and get excited.
0: We make (laughs) too much corn.
1: We do make a lot of corn. Corn or soybeans, right? (laughs) Yeah. So the first place Landon and I wanted to talk about is a place near and dear to my heart as I am a lifelong Bobcat and graduate from Ohio University. So we are not focused on Ohio University today, although that can be an entire episode itself. Yeah, We are focusing on the Ridges. So if you know anything about Ohio, if you are a fellow Bobcat, you have been to the Ridges. So we're going to talk about that today. You ready? Yeah. Oh, gosh. I have so many stories. Okay. So, the Ridges uh, was in operation. They opened their doors in 1874 and started off known as the Athens Lunatic Asylum.
0: That's, like, what I always thought an asylum actually was. Some people told me that asylums were not just for lunatics. I was like...
1: Well, all that is definitely not the term one uses anymore. Every time I hear the original name, the lunatic asylum, I'm like, that is so rude. No, (laughs) my degree is in psychology. That background is mental health. And every time I'm like, (laughs) I know that's like normal for the time, but gosh, oh man. Well, here's what's really crazy. So the asylum was an operation in one form or another. It changed multiple names over the years. Uh, But from 1874 until 1993. So those buildings were built and in operation for over 100 years, when you think about it.
0: That's a long time.
1: It's a really long time. It's also, like, really recent to have closed (laughs) their doors. But that whole being institutionalized uh, thing, deinstitutionalization, I can talk, started up in the 70s, and they really started moving away from that, so... Um, so yeah, it was originally known as the Lunatic Asylum and it provided services for everywhere from Civil War veterans, children, they had a children's building, all the way to violent criminals with mental health issues. So you can imagine that that violence <laughs> transferred into the building.
0: That's a big gap.
1: It's a big gap.
0: You, no. well, you know, you got your, your sweet little children. They're so sweet. And then you got your then you got your Michael Myers. Um <laughs> and your Jason Voorhees, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah, you got everything in between going <laughs> on in one space. It was crazy. Um and so it's now owned by Ohio University, as I mentioned. Go Bobcats, forever and always. Um and it has a lot of stuff there now. So now it has the Kennedy Art Museum. It has an auditorium for performances. It has lots of offices like the geology center, um, the biology, biotechnics stuff. It also has some classrooms and there's even an early childhood education center. I did one of the classes that I took while I was at school there I actually had me go do hours um, throughout the week at the preschool. So I got to go up to the ridges a couple times a week <laughs> cool. because there's little preschoolers there. You know how they always say that kids can see stuff. I would always be like, "Let's go on a walk around the abandoned buildings and uh, see what you tell me you can see." <laughs> Just
0: don't step on the holes in the floor. I'm not a. I don't want to be that. I don't want to do that much paperwork. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. If you get injured, then there's a whole form for that, and we don't feel like doing that. Yeah. So it was interesting because there, there's some of the buildings are still owned by Ohio University. They've been renovated and remodeled um but a lot of them are just still abandoned from whenever they closed them and it didn't mm-hmm. it isn't like every single building closed on the same day in 1993 so they just reduced in their patient numbers over the years from as they moved from being institutionalized to a mental health approach of deinstitutionalization and so they would just abandon a building and abandon a building and abandon a building mm-hmm over the years so some of those buildings have been abandoned since like the 70s they just still sit there so um it's huge i know you have not you've seen we've done google earth looks at it but you have never walked the grounds and in it is um over a thousand acres of property it's massive um and here's something that's really cool i always thought when i would be there and researching it that this was a cool fact about uh the asylum in its heyday when it was running it was almost a completely self-sustained city so they had pastures and livestock that they would use both in a dairy barn so they would use it right not just to sustain the patients and the staff at there but also to to I, i would assume i don't actually know this so please be advised i haven't researched this part uh but that they would um I would sell the milk, I don't know <laughs> if I'm butchering the cows i would I would eat it and sell it um so yeah, they had livestock, they had grain fields, they had gardens, greenhouses, the dairy barn, they also had their own hospital and tuberculosis ward when that became an epidemic, so they were really i mean it was huge and and they were able to work the lands as the patients and the staff and and really do the thing up on the hill. It's up on a hill. Like if you haven't been there, Ohio University is kind of down in the valley and then up on the hill overlooking the whole campus ominously oh. is uh yeah, <laughs> is the asylum. And then like Court Street and stuff at OU is up on a different hill, but not as high as the asylum, so it was
0: you wake you wake up in the morning and look out your window and just go that, that's pleasant. <laughs> it's a nice wake up for me.
1: <laughs> well, when I was a freshman, we stayed at the convocation centers where my dorm room was, which is around the basketball court. So literally across the river from the asylum. But there's, in the winter, you could see the buildings because the leaves wouldn't have the trees on them. But anytime the leaves were in bloom in any way, you couldn't see it. You knew it was oh. up there though. I mean, you just everybody knew.
0: I think it's like creepier when you can't see it, but you know it's there. Right. So like you would go, it's like some just unknowing person was hiking up a hill and they found that like tucked behind trees. I would be terrified. You'd <laughs> be, yeah. If you them.
1: didn't know, I think about that sometimes. Like a thousand years from now, when aliens land and they come and they look at all of our buildings and everything, and we're long gone as a society, like the Mayans are now or something, and yeah. you find their ruins you see all these crazy, creepy-looking buildings on the top like, of the hill. Really... Although I guess by then everything's abandoned and creepy-looking. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> um, well, here's a couple of other facts that lead us to some stories. So I'll share, like, a fact about it and how neat that was. And then a ghost story tied to it or something weird. Mm-hmm. So um, on the grounds, there were three cemeteries. So three different cemeteries. There are 1,903 people buried up up there on the grounds in the three different cemeteries. Um, up until in the... I think it was 1974. Might have been 73. So there's the three cemeteries. And up until the 70s, it was just an understood thing that if a patient died while at the asylum, and this is any state, right, but Ohio specifically, because that's who we're talking about, you only put their patient number on their headstone.
0: That's what I was asking about that.
1: Yeah, so you think you have 1,903 people died at this property. That's a lot of death (laughs) at a property, right? And then think about this. People were put there for reasons from... You've talked about puberty at school. So reasons from the girl time and that they're moody. And so they put them there because of mood swings for that. Um, Women going through menopause. You could be just, quote, generally ill. So there's really no reason. You could be put there for any little reason. And then it's not (laughs) up to you when you get to leave. It's up to the doctors and the person that put you there. Right? So that's crazy. And then for whatever unfortunate reason, you pass away there, and then they don't even put your name on the headstone. Yeah. Yeah, so you can imagine how the energy associated with that and with kind of the insult to injury at that point. It's probably crazy. But here's So now, in the 70s, they changed that if a family would pay for it. Mm -hmm. So if you were in the institution, you passed away, and your family said they'd pay for it, they would put your name on the headstone.
0: I bet you if you walked into that cemetery, they'd be like, all these numbers, and then like, Bill. No, 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 Jeff.
1: I mean, they don't just put their first name. It's like a whole headstone. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes, there is still, I mean, it took, it operated for almost 100 years under the numbers way. So you've got 100 years worth of death and headstones that are just numbers. Um, there are initiatives that families that find that, a number was someone in their family. Mm-hmm. They can go now get the headstone replaced. Um, the Ohio Mental Health Association still maintains the grounds at the cemeteries, so that's who you work with. So they are getting some people's
0: headstones,
1: but how would I know if somebody from our family was there in 1874 and yeah. died? You but know,
0: like, just imagine like back, like back to that thing that I was saying. Like it's tucked, like you were saying, it's tucked away in the trees. Yeah. What if somebody was, like, where is this cemetery, actually? Is it There's still three of
1: there? them. Yeah, they're just all up there on the property. Okay, the so, property is up on a hill.
0: Yeah, so imagine, like, you're walking on that hill, and you see the abandoned ridges. And you're like, or not ridges, the lunatic have them, I mean.
1: Well, it's called the ridges now. Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: And you're like, wow, well, that's creepy. And you keep walking, and you see these headstones with all these numbers and the random names and the numbers, and you're like... What did I cult walk into?
1: <laughs> well, here's our oh, so let's land on that because this is even crazier. So all, you know how cemeteries are outlined; they're in rows, yeah. right? Well, there is this one section, and I don't even mean a whole section. I I want to say thirteen because that sounds creepy. It might be nine. I don't. It's an odd number. I know that because um, I've gone and seen it too, where all of the cemeteries or all of the graves are in rows, except there's this one part. Really old graves, all numbers, no names, in a circle.
0: Yeah, you uh, you told me that, actually.
1: Yeah, so mm. there's like these bodies buried in a circle for no discernible reason. Nobody knows. But Athens, Ohio, is known for having a larger Wiccan population. And there's a rumor, no idea if there's any truth to it, but a rumor that there's a vortex around that circle just based on the fact that there are bodies buried in, in a circular shape
0: when I'm old, um
1: and that there are uh rituals performed there at that center
0: when i'm old enough to drive i'm gonna go up there with candles and like up like a and then make a fire pit in the middle of that circle that's disrespectful
1: don't no. go make a fire pit in the middle of a cemetery
0: no i want to open up the vortex it isn't disrespectful if i want to help
1: well if you're doing it to help maybe
0: I'm doing we'll it to help that.
1: So that's kind of just a lot of information about the asylum area and the grounds and that you're going to find cemeteries with headstones with just numbers on them. But let's talk about a few of the famous ghost stories there at the Old Ridges. And I have personally seen some of these when I went oh, there.
0: Like, like the ghost you've seen? Like not a ghost you've seen it. Like a ghost like...
1: I a ghost story you've been? Yeah. Yeah, I've been to, I toured the building at night. Um, so the most famous, most famous, there were famous um, patients at the asylum. So Billy Milligan is one of the most famous patients they've ever had that stayed at the asylum. He uh, was a very controversial case of multiple personality disorder, now known as dissociative disorder, but he's not a ghost there. Well, I know, you'd think like, what? Which Billy Milligan would you see? No, he died uh, a, a, an elderly age of cancer. But Margaret Schilling. Okay, so I mentioned to you how um, the buildings closed over time. Like, it's not like there was a day. Yeah, it's like, just- it's Tuesday, let's abandon the ridges. So, <laughs> so they would close buildings over time. So Margaret Schilling was being housed in a building and they were closing that building down and moving the patients because uh, their patient numbers had gone down. They had open space, more availability in the more main buildings, and they were moving people. So Margaret was being moved. Well, she, however, that nobody really knows the detail of how she kind of got away she's and got like, lost.
0: She's like, no, right. I'm not going with you. Yeah
1: she was 100% thinking like, this is my room. This is my space. This is where I like to be. But she got lost in the ward as they were closing it down. And here's the crazy part, okay? So she disappears uh, in the ward while they're closing it down on December 1st, 1978. They find her body January 9th, 1979. So for an entire year, plus a little bit more, almost like a year and a month, it's like mm-hmm. thirteen months, right? Yeah, she was alone in this in this ward, and so at some point during that time, and you have to think, you can only live three days without water, three weeks without food, right? Yeah. So somewhere within a week or two, she would have passed away because mm-hmm. they probably still had running water there, but they didn't have any food left in there. Cause she had gotten away and they'd kind of closed up the building. yeah. So, so sometime within a couple of weeks, just biologically, she mm-hmm. would have passed away. So for a year, her body is there. What she did was she went to this top floor building on an edge room, which had at the, I mean, the architecture is still beautiful today, but these beautiful, um, rounded window area with like floor to ceiling mm-hmm. windows And she couldn't get anybody's attention out there to get her out. There are some stories that say she was mute, so she couldn't speak. Um, And unless you can hear somebody knocking on a window three stories up above you, you might not hear it. I don't know if she was actually mute. I don't know the truth behind that. Um, But she undressed, folded her clothes, put them on the windowsill, laid down in the sunlight, uh, fully naked, and died. Right? Like tanning, you know. Uh <laughs> and she died. So they find her as they're opening up the buildings a year later, and I don't know why they were reopening that ward or go maybe they were going to look for her. I really don't know. But they went there a year later and they found her body, but it had obviously decomposed at that point. Mm-hmm. And the ground was cement, right? So where she laid and her body decomposed. Left body stain is what they call it. The Mm. body stain. And the nutrients, if you will, (laughs) of her body were imprinted into the cement. (laughs) Now, you anybody listening, you can Google the body stain, the ridges, and you will see plenty of pictures of it. I made sure to show Landon what it looked like. You remember seeing it? Mm. Yeah. And uh, no matter what they have tried, they cannot get rid of it. It won't go away. So... So it's sunk deep in there. I have gone and seen that in person. It looks just like it does online.
0: You should, really, tell, but, you should tell the story of what happened when you went there. Oh my gosh. Sister.
1: Okay, well let me tell you the story as to why it was so scary. So <laughs> the um legend says that a, a girl from OU went, uh, a lot of us, a lot of us students would go up to the ridges at night. So she went one time. Torn around the building and she touched the body stain and the legend says when you do that Margaret's spirit follows you home And so she went home to her dorm that night she was sleeping and um, Was awakened to see a woman's face staring at her face level to her by the side of her bed The reason being face level is important is she was on the top bunk So that would mean whoever was staring back at her and when she went and looked at pictures of Margaret Schilling, she says that's who it was, would have had to have been hovering off the floor because she was on top bunks. You can't, I mean, no, I mean, Margaret Schilling was tall, but not that tall, you know?
0: If she was tall, she probably just could have like stepped on the bottom, like on the bottom bunk edge. Well, I think
1: your, um, I think your roommate would notice that someone's standing on their bed to look up at you. So yeah, so that's so that's the legend is that if you touch the body stain, her spirit follows you home. So I was not in the mood for that. <laughs> so um I was a resident assistant on West Green uh in Trudley Hall. What up, Trudley Hall? And one of the OUPD officers that was assigned to our green a lot was there, would would come and see us. And so we were all friends with them because when we were on duty you know he'd be walking around too, and by friends I mean like we knew him. I don't didn't know him or anything. I didn't hang out with him outside of of work, Yo, but, right. But but he was willing to take us one night when we weren't all on duty to um the ridges and tour around. So I got to go up. It was like a sanctioned tour. It was with an OUPD officer. I didn't break in, although it's very easy to break in up there.
0: Sure. Break a window.
1: They're all open. Like, you don't I even have out. to... There's sure. abandoned, decrepit buildings. There's not a lot of effort that's needed to get into an abandoned building. Um, so, anyway, so we're pointing... That was the first thing they took us to. Because there was a, a night shift a security guard at the Ridges, too, that knew the OUPD officer. And so he took us... They both took us on these this tour. And, um, yeah, they're... they're the, we, so we were at the Stain, and they knew I was the most into all of this stuff and so the OUPD officer tried to get me to go touch the stain and when I said I wouldn't he picked me up (laughs) and was jokingly threatening to drop me on the stain (laughs) I wasn't just gonna touch it I was gonna like lay on it and uh, I started hitting him (laughs) and yelling and then he told me I had assaulted a police officer and I told him it was his fault (laughs) I said you go right ahead and you try and do something this is your fault so um now more common story that's kind of the legend says but more common stories of margaret Schilling's spirit is that she can be seen from outside at the windows where she died so you can see her spirit looking out of the windows at people
0: that that's cool
1: that right i believe that i would believe you'd look up and kind of be like oh there's somebody up there and not realizing that's like an abandoned part of the building and oh, there shouldn't should, be anybody up there Oh,
0: that's somebody up there wait what's the like, building abandoned like Fifty years ago.
1: Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. Weird. Just kind of see through. That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> the other um, common story of those that work at the ridges is that you can see her wandering the halls. Like you'll, she'll just kind of be wandering around, like walk on by.
0: Like so so. <laughs>
1: yeah. I wonder because there aren't any stories of like hearing her. If the theory that she was a mute. Uh, Meaning she couldn't speak is correct, because if her spirit isn't speaking and you just see her, that could be why. Well,
0: I mean, now, from my watching destination Mm -hmm. fear, Mm -hmm. ghosts don't walk around and have a friendly conversation with you.
1: Well, (laughs) on theirs they don't. In kindred spirits, they do. And in ghost hunters, they do.
0: Well, yeah. Destination
1: fear, they're too busy freaking out all the time.
0: (laughs) But, like, I mean, like, you have to have, like, the proper equipment to actually have a ghost, like, try to talk to you. Like, a voice box or a digital recorder Mm -hmm. or something like that. So, like, so you could actually hear the ghost. I don't think anybody's actually tried that. You could try like did you record her?
1: You think no hunters have actually gone to the ridges to try and talk to Margaret in all of this time? As famous as it is, is really yes. <laughs> He's like, okay, maybe they have. All right, then. I'm sure we could Google like EVPs from the ridges right now and find some.
0: Yeah, probably
1: could. So there's a couple of other really common stories at the Ridges. Margaret Schilling's the most famous specifically named spirit. There is one other spirit that those that work there know her name. I have forgotten her name. I know her as the lady in the yellow dress. Um, but there used to be when it was a residential mental health facility, um, a hair salon on in the facility. And so they, uh, you can go by where the hair salon is. When I was on my tour, they took us there and they said, you can hear like people chattering away and talking and stuff. And you can hear what would sound like a bustling salon business kind of noises. So some of that residual haunting kind of stuff. Um, but that you often see the, a woman in a yellow dress who was a woman that worked there. And that, like, she was a wonderful lady, and they she loved going and providing the hair salon services to the patients and things like that. So yeah. they said that she's like a nice, smiling, happy spirit. You just kind of see her every once in a while in the salon. So I don't know if it's residual. Like, I I haven't heard whether she interacts with you or if sometimes you just because she was there every day. You know, you just see yeah, her, you're just her spirit. Like, oh.
0: It's yellow one.
1: Yeah, there's the lady in the yellow dress. Usually you hear of, like, the woman in the white dress or the woman in blue or something. Yellow dress is, is not something I hear about very when often. When I
0: hear, like, like Margaret, yeah, I don't think, oh, Margaret, that's scary. I think of, oh, it's Margaret. When I hear of lady in the yellow dress, I think... That's going to eat me. <laughs> like, I don't like when people address them by what they like how they wait like what they wear.
1: Oh, it's creepy. You need to a name.
0: Me. I need a full-based name so it's not creepy. I get
1: it. I get it. If I know the name, then I can learn what kind of person they were in life, which is probably what kind of spirit they are in death. Yeah,
0: and... so if I, like if I looked up who was the lady in the yellow dress, mm-hmm. you know like Google be like, "Oh, it could be um what could be her name could be Bella. Her name could be this. Mm-hmm. But you don't really know her. Right. Because right. it's just kind of a lady in the yellow dress kind of thing.
1: Yeah, it is commonly a woman in a dress color spirit mm-hmm. is commonly like they're wandering, they're lost, and she doesn't. I just forget her name, is the mm-hmm. whole thing. I They know her name. I yeah, just uh, if you, if you don't remember it.
0: Yeah, if you told me her name, I would have been like, oh. We'll call her Bella. Yeah, we'll call her Bella. Bella, the stylist. <laughs> Because I feel like anybody named Bella, no, no offense to any Bellas that are watching this, always wear a yellow dress. <laughs> to the Bellas that I know.
1: Oh, because they're yeah. like Belle from Beauty and the Beast. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly. So there's a couple of other um, common to any asylum kind of place, and so one is shadow people. Yeah. So while I was on my tour with a security guard, he talked about seeing the shadow people all the time. And here's what he said that was really interesting. And I don't know um, how common this is. I'd assume it's much more common and it's just not something that on all of the shows that people watch on um, the paranormal stuff that um, I don't recall them referencing it a whole bunch, Mm -hmm. but he said that, I mean, his theory Here's his theory. His theory on shadow people is that you can find them at places where the veil is more thin, right? Between here and wherever spirits, zone spirits hang out in.
0: Kind of vibe. But, yeah, where they vibe.
1: But, um, he said that he swears they are often more startled, just as startled to see him come around the corner as he is to see them when they're there. So, um... He said that, like, he has sat in a hallway and, like, seen a shadow person. Like, you know how often they say you see shadow people's, like, heads pop around the corner and dodge back? Yeah. He's like, it feels, because he works there every night. He's like, I'm so used to seeing them at this point. Because he works at night security in the buildings that are not abandoned. But they were still part of the buildings in operation. Yeah. Um, he's so used to seeing them. And he says that, um... The ones in the main areas upstairs, they just seem like when they poke their heads around, he's like, I swear, it's like they're hiding, waiting for me to leave. <laughs> he's like, I some. he said one time he came around and one ducked down. There was like benches, like mm-hmm. chair benches, and they ducked down by the bench and kept looking. He's like, I kept seeing the head pop out of the side of the bench. And he's like, and finally I walked away because I thought, I think it's scared of me. <laughs> so I thought that was really interesting.
0: Yeah. There was like I think when I see a ghost, the worst type of ghost to interact with. Not like, okay, let me reword that. The worst type of way to see a ghost is when their head pops around the corner. (laughs) Quite startling when you don't notice it.
1: Yeah. Or when you're just not prepared for it. Yeah,
0: because I was watching this video once. Made me literally scream and throw something at my TV. Oh, wow. Not my TV over there, but actually Obviously. at my dad's. Uh, it was me and my sister watching the TV in creepy ghost sightings. And it's this guy here's rustling in his bathroom. And, you know, he's checking it out. He checks behind the uh, curtains. And we're like, okay, this is going so good so far. But then the lights start flickering, and he's like, "I can't change like the light. The lights that he was switching, they weren't controlling it. Mm-hmm. The lights like, shut off, and you can just hear something tapping on his door. Ooh. Also, the door was half creaked open for the bathroom, so I'm just tapping on it, like doing this little like the little nail thing. You go, brrit, brrit, on that kind of door, sure. And he looks up, and his heads peeking around, long like crazy hairs streaming down their face, but sharp claws go. <laughs> And it switched behind the door and I go, mm. that was scary. <laughs> that was scary. Like I screamed. With,
1: ah!
0: <laughs> and that's always what I've been freaked out about. Like if I turn the corner and I can see a ghost standing there, I'll get startled. And But then I'll blink and it'll obviously be gone. But if I'm on my phone and I look up and I can see a ghost has been staring at me. I'll freak out. I'll be like, mm-hmm. how long was they looking at me for?
1: <laughs> how long have you been sitting there? Yeah. I think if I saw a, an apparition, like a full body detailed apparition, I would be, I, I, I'd be startled either way. Let's be real. It's mm-hmm. not like I'm going to be like, Oh no, if I see, if I see a shadow person, I'm t- "It's cool. Like, no, I'd be startled yeah. no matter what.
0: Like, yeah. I think the only way that I wouldn't be started if I saw, like, a ghost that looked like the, the girls from The Shining, that like, kind of just look real. Mm-hmm. i be like, oh, hey. And then walk off and be like, Wait, where'd you go?
1: <laughs> like, you realize later it was a spirit. Like, full-bodied, fully mm-hmm. there. So, the final thing, because there's, I mean, there's a lot of just, you know you can hear disembodied voices you can hear gurney's creaking you can hear screams down a hallway oh, i think there's a lot of residual worst. auditory stuff that people that work there seem to kind of get used to but they're like you can hear conversations as if it's like the nurses station chatting or you know uh patients in the in the um uh, lounge areas just chatting away like yeah. a lot of that but the one that to me would be probably the most terrifying like Margaret Schilling seems to be that she's just kind of wandering around. I think I'd be totally comfortable continuously running into the lady in the yellow dress. Maybe she could give me some hair tips, (laughs) the shadow people upstairs. I'm, I'm fully embracing the, the night night security guys view that he's like, I don't know. They seem just as scared of me as I am when I see them. Um, but in the basement of the buildings. So at its peak, uh the asylum housed 2000 patients, which is more than 3 times what it was built to house. So we are talking overcrowding at a maximum level, right? Oh. So when you have all of this overcrowding, the um more violent patients Where they don't have room for them anyway were kept in the basement rooms. And and you can still go see these. This is not made up. They were shackled with chains to the walls. Oh. Right? Just, Just mistreatment. But you can go down today. You could go out there today, go down into those basements and still see the chains. And you could still see like some of the chains with shackles are still there. And all of the bolts that would bolt the chains to the walls are still there so like you can see it it's not a lie that's not a rumor they really shackled people to walls and people died being shackled to a wall because you're in the basement it's cold right and so you can die of hypothermia it's ohio in the winter it's not exactly you know florida and balmy um and they were malnourished because they weren't fed as well and and they were violent and they were Chained there, and it's not like you can pretend that there probably wasn't mistreatment from from some staff. I mean, that's quite possible too. So you had people sh- shackled to walls dying, right? Mm-hmm. And so the stories down there are a different kind of shadow person down there, they um describe the shadow people as aggressive, as territorial. And as very large, so Ooh. not your upstairs, whoops, whoops, I see sorry. you, you see me, you startled me, maybe I look like a shadow to them in their realm and and I, they look like a shadow to me down there. It is like angry, angry spirits that are very they describe them as larger than like tall men, like really large. I I picture, the way I hear him describing it as like burly WWE wrestler. Yeah, like Like as a shadow, but like super angry.
0: Yeah, you walk in, boom, oh yeah, they're like, what's his name? Dwayne, like The Rock, walks in. Yeah,
1: The Rock is an angry shadow person charging down the hall at you when you get down there. give
0: me my my food.
1: Yeah, I would not be Uh, keen to go down there. Well, that is... You know, the main stories of the ridges, really. Um, if you go up there and you do see Margaret Schilling's body stain, please don't touch it. I don't need her coming home with you to our house. I'm good. But um, one of the traditions we want to start with our podcast is at the end of every podcast, Landon or I tell a personal ghost story we've experienced. So today, Landon's going to share something.
0: Well, okay. So this is this ghost story happened at a span of a couple weeks, actually. Um, but it's, it was at my dad's house. And one day, my stepmom was cooking food. And it was only her and my stepsister in the house. Now, our house is small. You could yell from the back of the house to the front of the house. And we could still hear each other perfectly. But sometimes, it would be like you could hear people too perfectly. Because mm. my stepmom was cooking. And she heard Evelyn ask for her behind her. She goes, hey, mommy, can you come here? And she goes, what do you want, honey? And she goes, and then she says, I'm right behind you. Can you turn around? And she goes, Evelyn, what do you need? And she turns around, nobody's there. Mm. The ghost was talking to her, and she yells for Evelyn. So mimicking was going mm-hmm. on. And Evelyn goes, what do, what do you need? And she goes, have you been in your room this entire time? And she goes, Yes. So that was kind of creepy. I never actually was there and experienced that, but that was what I was told. Another thing that I started to experience was um, we were playing, me, my brother, and my sister were all playing Break the Safe. Okay. And my closet was right next to us, and it was kind of open. And then out out of the corner of my eye, something was chucked in the closet. I could hear things fall, and someone went past the opening. And I went, mm. Let's move to the living room and play this, right? Um, another time, while we were there, we were sleeping out in the living room because we were just about to watch a movie and sleep out there. And I was like, I'm going to go toss something back in our room. So I started walking back there, and Evelyn was in the bathroom. But I didn't know she went to the bathroom. I thought she just walked back mm-hmm. into the back part of the house. So when I tossed something into my room... The lights are off. Mm-hmm. I can see a shadow figure start walking, and I go, "Hey, Evelyn, is that you?" And it walks up to me. I can't see it, but I can hear something in my ear going, "I'm not Evelyn." Mm. And I go, "Who? No, 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 no!" I scream and run. Yeah, I would. Um, Evelyn, what she didn't put away though, she has this like mannequin thing. Why? Uh, that is a good question yeah. why let her she, know I want to know why <laughs> uh, she's like posal mannequin thing it's kind of small but uh, we had that she had that out on our front table mm-hmm. and I fell asleep but I woke up Mac and Evelyn were already doing something those are my brother and sister so I turn by the way when I fell asleep that that mannequin was sitting up straight. Okay. I came back and it was pointing right at me.
1: Huh. At
0: first I was like, what do you do? You're pointing right at me. Oh. Right.
1: You're like, what do you want?
0: And, the, and then we saged the house. That was the last I saw of it. Okay,
1: so the saging might have worked.
0: Yeah. There is, every once in a while, I can think I do see a shadow figure in our room. Mm-hmm. But I but it's never told me it's not Evelyn, so I suppose it's my brother.
1: is <laughs> <laughs> just creeping in the closet. <laughs> well,
0: Macca, Maca, what you doing? No. Get out there.
1: <laughs> Hilarious. Yeah. Man, all right. Well that was a good story. I'm glad that the saging worked because you go up there all the time. So I'd be yeah. you'd be freaking out. Like I'm not going up to the haunted house, guys. <laughs> Oh, man. All right. Well, thanks for joining us for our first ever Phantoms and Family Episode 1. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, join us next time for more scary stories about the state of Ohio.